the value of a dad is something that is really hard to put a price on. I don't think we can put the value of a dad uh, too high. And there are a lot of different dads uh, present here today. There's, there's biological dads. There's bonus dads. There's aspiring dads. Uh, dads that mow the yard with their socks on when they are wooden sandals. All right? There's all kinds of dads. Uh, and I want to, for each and every type of dad, uh, I want you to know that you, you matter. Uh, you matter to your kids. Uh, some of you senior saints, some of you with a little gray, uh, you matter to your grandkids. Uh, they look up to you, uh, and that can be a hard job to fill, a hard role to take, but I want to just encourage you that in Christ, you have everything, everything you need to do that job well. So today, uh, I want you to drink your cold dad's drink and just relax in Jesus uh, with him. You've got this. Right, I'm going to pray and then we'll dive into our passage today. God, today, would you fill up the sails of all the dads that walked in here feeling a little uh, tired, a little deflated? Would you give them a fresh zeal and energy to, to follow you and to love their family well uh, and by leading them to do the same, to follow you? Grow our capacity to just dwell in you. Help us to be found faithful with the task that you've given in us, you've given to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, the first passage we're going to run through is Proverbs 4. Uh, there's a lot of verses there, so I'm just going to uh, cherry pick a few just for our time today for the sake of time. Um, and the title of Proverbs chapter 4 has a title there. It says, A Father's Wise Advice. A Father's Wise Advice. Uh, most, all, almost all fathers have sayings that just tend to stick with you. Anybody have a saying that their dad had just said that it stuck with them? Uh, it just seems to happen. Uh, a few, uh, just two, and I was thinking about some that my dad have said that I can say on stage. Um, so, hey, definitely heard some in the teenage years. That was a joke. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, hey, there's two that just stuck with me when I was thinking about this. Um, I definitely heard this one a lot in the teenage years. Uh, just kind of the lighthearted, like, get a life. Like, what are you doing? Like, that was a terrible idea. Get a life. Uh, and then another one, I don't think this is a Don Key original, uh, but I definitely heard it first uh, from my dad. Uh, when you sling mud, you lose ground. I don't know why I heard that one in high school, and, like, it just is one of those that's, like, I'm never going to forget it. You know, when you go running other people through the mud, all you're doing is or throw mud at other people. All you're doing is losing your ground by throwing at them. It just always stuck me. Uh, there's some other dad axioms I've heard uh, from various people, uh, and somehow these kind of work, work their way into, if you got someone who's really picked up on, they work their way into, like, life. Uh, and so uh, the haze in the barn. I like that one. All right. uh, were you born in a barn? Uh, I don't own anything that's not for sale. Okay, uh, Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, you guys have probably heard these last few. Uh, because I said, yeah, you got it, okay. Uh, God made dirt, dirt won't hurt. Uh, and this is the epitome, uh, the, the pinnacle, the peak of all dad sayings. Go ask mom, right? That's, that's it, that's it, it's right there. And so, hey, here in Proverbs chapter 4, it says, a father's wise sayings. So we've got these collectings that uh, this dad is wanting to pass down to his kids and his grandkids. And so a little bit of, of backstory on this proverb, it's a lot of people think it was written by Solomon. And according to the Bible, Solomon was the wisest and richest man to ever live. And so we're just going to read a handful of these verses out of Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, if you get the time today, I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter, but you guys would be really hungry if we did that today because we'd go for a long time. So I'm going to start in verse 1, these first two verses. My child, uh, my children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. 
for I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For those with kids, your children just listen to you and like they learn good judgment from you. I think sometimes as a parent, this can be a challenging thing uh, to offer correction to your kids, especially when they're younger and maybe even more when they're older. That uh, They really don't want to hear it because, well, they're, they're kids, right? Like they just haven't lived that life. And we all want to offer good guidance to our kids, but uh, it doesn't always feel like it's accepted. And I just, we said this last week, and I think this is really just true. Remember to stay faithful, even when it feels like it's falling on deaf ears. Um, because, uh, again, we said this last week, but you might not remember 99% of the meals that you've ever eaten. I don't remember 99% of the meals I've ever eaten. But guess what? They've kept me fed, and they've got me here. Keep being faithful. Keep doing what you need to do. Offer good guidance to your kids. Uh, and guess what? When you least expect it, they might just surprise you. Don't grow weary because it seems like it's falling on deaf ears. Keep the good fight. Continue walking down that path. Uh, verse 5, get wisdom and develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. This little snippet here, it reminds me of the story of two lumberjacks. You ever heard the story of two, two lumberjacks? They go out into the forest and they get there at the same time. And every day they cut wood. Every day they cut wood. They start at the same time and they end at the same time. There's one who he always ends up with a lot more trees cut down. He always ends up with more. And uh, the other guy, he doesn't get it. They start out, they're doing the same thing. Like they start at the same time, they end at the same time. He's working as hard as he can. And every day in the middle of the day, the one who gets more, he stops for about an hour. He disappears. The other guy doesn't know where he goes. And he always ends up with more. And finally, after weeks of this other guy being outdone, he, he goes to him. He's like, I'm working just as many hours. What, what are you doing? How are you getting so much more than I am getting? Like, we're working the same amount of time. I'm working as hard as I can. What's going on? And, and the lumberjack uh, that was getting more, he replied, I go sharpen my axe. Like, I, I work smarter and harder. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says this, using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. It helps you succeed. How do you sharpen your blade? How do you acquire wisdom? Think about that. Let's keep going. Proverbs 4, 18 through 22 says this, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines brighter, ever brighter until the full light of day. So righteousness just gets brighter and brighter, but the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. That, that first verse there, the way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. That's what we want for our kids, right? We want our kids to shine brighter and brighter as they age. Uh, to, not, to not peak like in middle school or in high school or in elementary school. We want them to continue to grow after that, to develop into full, whole-rounded, Jesus-loving people. Continue to develop. That's what we want. And in verse 19, it says, the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. 
If we don't put them on the way of righteousness, that's not what we're, we're not going to be able to see that grow into a full light of day. We have to lead them in the way of righteousness. Proverbs 4.23 is probably one of the most well-known verses we're going to read today, and that's why we kind of want to spend a good chunk of our time today. It says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. It's our job uh, as dads, all right, raise up your glass, all right, it's our job as dads uh, to guard our kids' uh, athletic abilities and to guard their academic abilities, right? No, what, what does it say there? Uh, I, I'd be willing to say that we spend much more time, and I'm talking to myself too, uh, I'm stepping on my own toes, but we probably spend more time talking about our kids' grades and how they're doing in extracurricular activities uh, than we do talking to them about our faith, talking to them about pursuing righteousness, to have the same heart as Jesus. And it says, uh, this is a dad giving advice to his kids, it's our job to guard our kids' heart, to guard our own heart first, and then to guard theirs. Because your heart determines the course of your life, and it determines the course of their life. That's how it works. It continues on in verse 25. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Fix your eyes on what lies ahead. I've heard it said that the eyes are the windows to the heart. In other words, if something has your heart uh, but it doesn't have your attention, your, your focus, it really doesn't have your heart because your heart determines what you look at. Uh, it ha- it ha- what has your attention and your focus has your heart. And there are times where our heart might be focused on the wrong thing, where we're, we're fixated on things that we really shouldn't be fixated on. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for, for disappointment and for failure. Uh, there's a story that Jesus told where a man's son gets fixated on the wrong thing. Uh, he gets fixated on dad's money. That's, that's what it is. This is the story of the prodigal son. He's fixated on dad's money, the inheritance that I'm going to receive. And he convinces his dad. He says, hey, dad, uh, and this is the Logan Key version. This is a translation, so I'm paraphrasing here. But, hey, uh, when I get your inheritance, when you're gone, I, I'm going to be so old, I'm not even going to be able to enjoy it. So what if I got that money now? And kind of, in a roundabout way, it's almost like saying, hey, I'd be better off if you were dead, so just give me what would happen when you die, and we'll both live and have a good time, right? Uh, And so what ends up happening is he gets a share of his dad's money. He gets his share of his dad's money before he died. And so it's like, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to turn out. So shortly after he got the money from dad, what does he do? do? Uh, It tells us in Luke 15, 13, it says, a few days later, this younger son, there's two brothers, this is the younger, um, I'm the youngest in my family, so I don't like how this is looking for me, but uh, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in, quote, wild living. Uh, He partied and wasted away all the money that had been given to him, and uh, when his money ran out, it says a great famine spread all over the land, and he He's broke. He, he began to starve. Like, he didn't have any money. He, he squandered it all. And he's hired by a farmer to just to do some work, to get something. And he, this young man became, it says this in verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. And then it says this right after it. And I, I've never caught this part before. But no one gave him anything. 
Like the pig slop looks good to eat, but nobody said I could eat it. So he's like looking at this being like, that sounds good, but he never got it. Nobody said he could do it. And it's at this time he comes to his senses. I'm like lusting over pig food. I'm like this is, I'm not in a good spot right now. He comes to his senses, he realized that it, even my father's servants, like they have enough food to spare. I'll go home and say, Dad, I'm no longer to be worthy to be your son. Just take me on as a hired servant. I, I messed my opportunity as your son. Just let me come and work for you. Like, let me be an employee for you. And it says this, so he returned home to his father. And while he was away off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. It kind of makes it sound like he's getting ready to continue there. But the dad jumps in. The father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. I love it. A good father, he sees his, his son coming home and he runs to him. Says he's filled with compassion and love for him. He embraces him. He gives him a kiss. And then when the son is trying to tell him, I'm no longer even worthy to be your son, he ignores his son and says, quick, get him some new clothes, get him a ring, get him some new shoes, prepare the great dinner. And most of us, we don't have that kind of picture for God as our father. Like we all have had different dads and some of us have had great dads, some of us had complicated relationships with dad, uh, but this is the type of dad that God is to us. That's the type of father that we have in heaven. And we think that he doesn't want our mess or our dirtiness. And he does. He doesn't want to hide from us. He doesn't want us to hide from him. Even when we mess up, even when we stumble, even when we fail, he wants you. I heard uh, a story of this old-time preacher at a, at a big college event. Um, and his college ministry event, so he's talking about purity and honoring God uh, with, with your body and just how you pursue uh, relationships. And at the beginning of the talk, he held up this fresh rose and made it a point that this rose was, was pure. It was unblemished. He wanted everyone to see this pure and unblemished rose, so he handed it out, and he passed it out to the crowd, and everybody could, could touch it and, and feel it and smell it. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's something to be said about purity and, and honoring God. Uh, but then he, he passes out this rose, and they all touch it, and they all smell it. And then at the end of it, he says, hey, can I get that rose back? Can I get it up front? And this once beautiful rose, it was pristine. It was fragrant. Now it's tattered. It's worn. It's sad. It's beat up. And this old pastor held up this rose and said, who would want this? Who would want this? Who would want this tattered, worn down, sad, beat up person? Who would want this? And then he threw the rose away. Guys, you know who would want this? I want to answer this as emphatically as I can. Jesus, Jesus wants the rose. He wants it. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't care the shape you're in or what's going on or what you've gone through. He wants you. Doesn't matter if it's perfect. Doesn't matter if it's beat up. Doesn't matter if it's upside down. Doesn't matter what's been going on. He wants you. He loves you. The same way that that father was so excited to have his son back. Jesus doesn't care what you've gone through. He doesn't care what you've squandered. He doesn't care what you've done. He wants you no qualifications. And if we hop back into that story, the story of the prodigal son, it says this. Uh, we got to see the younger son's perspective. This is the older son's perspective. 
Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working when he returned home. He missed the excitement because he was like doing what he was supposed to do, his job. Uh, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what, what's going on? And the servant says, your brother is back. Uh, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry. And he, he wouldn't even go in. And, and the dad does what a good dad does. He's celebrating his son who's back. And he comes out and he begs his older son uh, to come in. And that's how a lot of us view God. We think of God like that older brother. He doesn't want to extend mercy. He doesn't want to extend grace. He, he isn't excited when the sinner comes back home. The older brother gets mad. He goes, you know what? You never threw me a party like this, and I've been serving you faithfully. Uh, it says this, yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Now, I love the dad's response to that. To see, I think... A good dad has a knack for focusing on the right thing. Remember, uh, what has your heart has your focus. And here's how he said. Father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Like your brother's share, he already got it. This is all yours. We're, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Rejoice that your brother was dead and now he's alive. Church, the dad's heart, what has his focus was his children. So when his wayward son returns, he's not mad. He's not, what did you do? He's going to rejoice. My son is back. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't wish he, he wished he didn't squander all that money and live this crazy lifestyle, but guess what? He's back. I'm going to receive him. I'm going to love him. He's going to rejoice. And when his faithful son sulks, Mad that I didn't get the party. What are you doing? He lovingly corrects. He didn't neglect one or the other. He was there for both of them. And just like that father was there for both of his kids, our father in heaven is here for us. We're, we're his kids. That's how he loves us. Don't forget that he is there for you. He loves you. And when you mess up, he isn't going to put you down. He's going to pick you up. And we have a tendency to run away from God, especially when we threw, screw things up. And when we mess up, when we've screwed up, when we've messed up, uh, we don't want to go back to him because we don't want to face dad. Uh, like that's what little kids do. Have you noticed that? Uh, no, I didn't do that. I don't know. Like, have you ever seen a kid in their room alone and they break something? You're like, how did this happen? Ha, I don't know, dad. It just happened. It wasn't me. It was my brother. Um, I, I remember one time growing up, and it's funny how you just remember these random, these random moments. Uh, there was like a clay pot in our backyard by the pool. And I don't remember how, but I do remember that I broke this pot. Um, and I was worried, like I had serious anxiety to tell my mom, because dad was like gone to work. It was just like the summer we were hanging out. Uh, and thinking, I'm going to be destroyed. I'm going to tell mom I broke this pot. She's going to be like, wait till your dad gets home. And I'm going to be like, I don't know what the belt. Uh, and so I'm over here sweating bullets. Um, and, and the response that I got was, it's okay, just be careful. Thank you, thank you for telling me. Thank you for coming to me. Uh, and I was sweating bullets for, for nothing. Uh, I think I ended up breaking it a few more times than I actually did get in trouble. Right? Grace has had a limit in that house. Uh, but, but I think um, most of us, uh, the older we get, the longer and longer our, our trigger gets to go back to God when we mess up. 
I think if we allow the world to shape us, that's how it goes. The more we mess up, the longer it takes for us to turn from sin and to turn back to God. Because we're afraid that we're going to have to face this, this wrathful, angry, mean God. And when we do something we know we shouldn't do, we, we kind of punish ourselves. It's like, I guess I won't talk to God because I think he's upset with me. Like, I'm going to hide over here. I'm just not going to talk to him. Church, he wants the rose. It doesn't matter how abused or beat up or worn it is. He wants it. He wants it. Uh, this is a, definitely a dad story I'm about to tell. Uh, so just, just bear with me. Um, I got to get through this with a straight face. I'm sorry. Uh, there was a lady walking down the street to work. She walks by a pet store. Um, and in the window of this pet store, there is a parrot. And she's walking by, and this parrot, as she's walking by, the parrot says, Hey, lady! And the lady says, what? And the parrot goes, you're ugly. What? Where did that come from? So the lady shakes her head, keeps on walking uh, to work. Next day, lady walks by. Parrot goes, hey, lady. Lady says, what? Parrot goes, you're ugly. Uh, she walks in disgust to uh, work. And um, the third day, she walks by. And it happens again. This time she goes in and, and tells the manager, hey, what is going on? And says, if this bird says this again, I'm going to take it out. Like, I'm going to take this bird out. Uh, the next day, uh, she walks by. The parrot says, hey, lady. The woman says, what? Like, she, you know, she's ready to go. And the parrot says, you know. All right. Hey, the Bible calls Satan the father of all lies. The father of all lies, a thief, and our accuser. And all he has to say to us sometimes is, you know. Come on, look at you. You're in church. You know what you really are. You know. You know you're an addict. You know you're a drunk. You know you're a junkie. You know you're tainted. You know you're stupid. You know you're ugly. You know you're lazy. You're so alone. You know. Just face it. And when we listen to that, we forget who we are. Our identity is stolen from us. And this false one is, is placed on us. We stop believing in our God-given identity. And so what we start to do is we start to hustle for it. We start trying to, to earn it. We start to perform it, perform for it. And then guess what? When we start to earn, we start to strive, we start to hustle to get our identity, you know who becomes your biggest accuser? You. Now it's not just the enemy of God whispering you're stupid. Your self-talk becomes, I'm so stupid, I'm so unwanted, I'm so alone. You start thinking, I'll be worthy when I have that job. I'll be worthy when I lose 20 pounds. I'll be worthy when my parents finally approve of me. I'll be worthy when fill in the blank. And all of, all of that is shame. It's shame. And shame is an extremely dangerous weapon. It can send you into a spiral. But the greatest weapon to shame is grace. And grace personified is Jesus. 
Shame says the opinion of the crowd is all that matters. Grace says the opinion of God is all that matters. Shame makes us hide. Grace, it makes us free. Shame says you're worthless. Grace says you're priceless. Isaiah 45, 23 says this. I, yes, I alone, this is God speaking, will blot out your sins for my own sake. I will blot out your sins in the next part and will never think of them again. You know, I want you to know, Jesus wants the rose. You have a father in heaven who he's not putting up with you. He loves you unconditionally. There is nothing you could do that would make him want to stay away. Nothing. He will blot out your sins and never think of them again. His own words. That's a great love. And if God isn't thinking about those things, if he isn't thinking about those things that you've done, your sins, can I tell you something? If he's not thinking about them, you shouldn't either. Repent, move forward. Walk forward in grace because that's what God wants for you. And the next time you hear, you know, you say, yeah, I know. I know whose I am, and I know he loves me, and I know he's forgiven me, and he's never bringing up my sin again. He's never even going to think of it. Let's pray.